0: Please turn in your Bible to Ezra chapter 3. While you're turning, how many of you have ever launched a plan for an event or a project or anything that you were doing or a vacation and said something ha- happened that was unexpected? Anybody? A couple of you? It happens, right? Well, that also happens in ministry. And that's what we're talking about this morning, about expectations in ministry. And so we're going to be picking up in Ezra chapter 3, and we're going to be uh, reading verses 8 through 13. Now, in the second year of their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, in the second month, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel and Jeshua, the son of Jehozadak, and the rest of their brothers, the priests and the Levites, and all who came from the captivity to Jerusalem, began the work and appointed the Levites from 20 years old and older to oversee the work of the house of the Lord. Then Jeshua with his sons and brothers stood united with Cadmiel and his sons and the sons of Judah and the sons of Hinnadad with their sons and the brothers of the Levites to oversee the workmen in the temple of God. Now when the builders had laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the directions of King David and of Israel. They sang, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his loving kindness is upon Israel forever. And all the people shouted with a great shout. And when they praised the Lord, because of the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Yet many of the priests and Levites and heads of fathers' households, the old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes while many shouted aloud for joy so that while people so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the shout of joy from the sound of the weeping of the people for the people shouted with a loud shout and and the sound was heard far away let's pray Father, thank you so much for your word. And I thank you for speaking to us this morning. I thank you for uh, enlightening us to the truth of what you're up to. And Father, we pray that you will show us what you have for each one of us this morning. And Father, I ask that your hand will be upon this time. And I pray that any distractions will melt away that will embrace the truth and that father that will accept whatever you have for us thank you for all you've done we pray this in Jesus name amen Amen. and so this morning as we discuss expectations in ministry we're going to see their oversight we will see the foundation and then we're going to see the opposition and so, this morning, as we begin with oversight, they, two years had gone by. They had returned to the land, and two years had passed, and they began their work on the new temple. Now, you would think they're all excited. They're going back. They have their elements. They hired these guys. They're getting wood from, cedar from Lebanon. And you would think it would take less than two years to get going with that, right? You know, we're, we live in a world of instant gratification. And sometimes. When God is up to something. And when you do it right. It takes longer. And so instant is real easy. But right. Can take extra time. And so two years had gone by. Everyone showed up. To do the work. They were of one heart and one mind. They all came back from their cities. You know imagine. Being carried away for 70 years, going back, and it's taken two years to get to this point. You know, life happens, right? People got busy, they got going. But when the time, time came to rebuild the temple, they all showed up. And so the men were appointed here from the Levites to oversee the workmen. And so there was accountability that was built in here. Now, the Levites, who did not have the skill that the workmen had, were appointed to oversee them. That seems anti, uh, maybe the best way to go, if you would say. But here's the thing here's what the Levites understood. The Levites understood worship, they understood what the house of God was supposed to be. They didn't have the skill to do the work itself, but they knew what God wanted to do in that place. And so they oversaw what was going on with the skilled craftsmen and those that God had brought to be a part of this. And so ministry was always the focus, and then they hired men and ordered the materials to do it the way God wanted it done. And so it's important to see how those two things work together. And so it was their job, the overseer's job, was not to instruct the workmen how to do their job. It was the for, it was the it was to inform the workmen what they needed from them to make sure they stayed on task. Because building a foundation, if you build on a cruddy foundation, you're going to have problems in the whole house. There's a uh, Anybody ever looked at, I remember when Terry and I were young, that may be hard for some of you to believe, (laughs) but when we were young and we were buying our first house, we looked around and there were good deals to be had, but the foundations were cracked. And so we passed on those at that time because if the foundation's bad, everything else is bad. And so it's important that they laid a good foundation. And so they managed, not micromanaged. There's a difference. How many of you really enjoy people micromanaging you? Anybody? I just really love it when just somebody sits over your shoulder and says, don't do, you know, over here, put your hand on the left. And yeah, nobody likes that. We all like to be trusted. I mean, if, if you've got to micromanage me, then you don't need me. You Just do the work. If you're going to stand there and watch, tell me what, just do it yourself. And why pay the fee? But they didn't micromanage them. They just managed the work to make sure that the outcome that God had determined came about. And so oversight in the Lord's work provides accountability. We are accountable when we do anything for the Lord. Uh, We hold each other accountable. We make sure that that we don't go off the rails. We make sure that we're on target, that we've considered certain things. That's why I like having guys around me that can say, hey, have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? Hey, we're not sure about this. What are you thinking here? Um, have you considered this? You've got to have accountability in everything you're doing, because it protects you. It protects us from the evil one. And that's how evil oversight works. But they moved, we moved from their oversight. They had, a, the, the Levites had a responsibility to watch these guys, but they get the they get the work done. The foundation is laid. The builders complete the foundation of the temple. This was a big deal. This was a big deal. They had laid the foundation for the future house, if you will, at that time, of where they would come and bring their offerings, where God would come and meet with his people, and the foundation was now laid. And so having laid a solid foundation complete for the temple, um, we have to build on a solid foundation if the house is going to stand. So now King David enters the story here. We haven't seen King David yet. This is his first appearance in Ezra. And so King David shows up and we see that David is also involved because the worship of God is part of the leadership of Israel At that time, they had learned the lesson that they didn't just need a king. They needed the king. And to bring themselves under the theocracy of Almighty God. And so King David enters the story and instructs the priest to dress appropriately. And with the Levites to go praise the Lord with trumpets and cymbals. There we go. They used musical instruments in the Bible to praise God. You know, there are organizations out there today that will not use instruments. They think that they're not of God. Listen, right here, they use them to praise God. And so they use trumpets and cymbals. We need to get some trumpets, don't we, Stephen? <laughs> but they were praising God. And all they had at this point was a foundation. So they're, they're praising God for returning them. They're praising God that his work was being completed. They were starting to see evidence in the hand of God visible after two years of waiting. Actually, after 72 years of waiting, they're starting to see this foundation being laid. And so you know, he enters. It was a time of celebration, and they were rebuilding the center of worship and the symbol of the presence of God among the people. And so they sang and gave thanks and they recognized two things about God. They recognized his goodness. God is good. There we go. That's an old, come on. Where's my old Baptist folks? God is good. And all the time, God is good. That's right. And so they were recognizing his goodness. But they're also recognizing his loving kindness. You know, and being kind is a gentleness toward other people. And an understanding of where they are. And meeting them in those places. And so, his loving kindness, God had never stopped loving them kindly as he restored them to this uh, place of worship. And so what they realized is they hadn't been forgotten. They hadn't been forgotten. you ever feel like you've been forgotten by God? Like get busy with life and you, you're trying to find God, but you're like, where is he? I want to, if, if that's you this morning or if you've ever faced that, I want you to know something. God has not forgotten you. He sees you. He knows what you're going through. You matter to him. He doesn't forget. He knows about you. And so they shouted as praise the Lord because of the foundation. They were overflowing with joy and excitement. Can you imagine? I remember when we first poured this slab, we had to actually water it. We came out here with hoses and watered it for a week so that it didn't overheat. Because if concrete, when it cures, it generates heat because it cures chemically. And if you don't keep it wet and cool, it will crack. And so we came out here and I was one of them who came out with the water hose and watered it down. God helped us out a little bit with some rain during that time. And uh, it was a, it was a, a great time. We, I found some old pictures the other day of us standing on this slab when it was just poured. The guy who actually poured it had a 50-foot boom. He took me up. He goes, you want to go? I said, yeah, I want to go. And so we took aerial photos from up there. I said, give me my phone. I'm taking pictures. And so we had a good time. And he's going on to be with the Lord now, but um, it was a, a blessed time of doing that with him. And so all this excitement is going on. All these things are happening. People are serving God. God's things are being built. We're seeing visible evidence of the promises. And what happens? Opposition. So we need to recognize that there will be opposition as we pursue the Lord. As we pursue obedience. As we step out in faith. And I will tell you this. It works by division. It works by confusion. He comes and lies. We know the enemy is the father of all lies. And we as a people have to say no. We have to seek truth. We have to not let our eyes get on the wrong things. Because there was a problem going on with these old men. There was a problem. Everybody else is rejoicing and they're weeping. So let's look. As they're weeping, we see the first crack of division in the group. There were old men who had seen the first temple. Now that was Solomon's temple. And, this temp, uh, and they had seen this temple. And in their eyes, it did not compare to the original. It didn't compare to Solomon's temple. And so we have to be careful that we don't get caught looking back at something great God did in the past and miss what he's doing in the moment. You know, I am so thrilled that many of you have had great experiences with God or have been a part of amazing churches where God worked and saw his hand and it was an amazing time every Sunday. And we should treasure those. But we don't seek the past, we seek the Lord. For what he is up to now Otherwise, we end up like Israel. God delivered them out of Egypt. Can you imagine that moment? Two million people marching out of there, the Egyptians letting them go, and then having um, sellers' remorse. Uh, and they're pursuing them, going, Did you? They even asked him, Did you bring us out here to kill us? <laughs> here they were barricaded by the sea, they were being closed in on. And they started complaining because they faced tough times in opposition. Listen. Listen to me, everybody. We do not wrestle with flesh and blood. We wrestle with principalities and powers. People are not our problem. The enemy working against what God is doing and he will use people, he is the problem. Do not let opposition rise in the midst of God's blessings. And so the rejoicing and weeping was undistinguishable, we're told, from one another. There was all this noise going on. But both responses were just as intense. You know, just because emotions are intense doesn't mean they're both right. Right. Just because you have an intense emotional response to something, that doesn't mean it's the correct response. The correct response aligns with truth in what God's word says and what God is up to. And as we fall in line with him, the response falls in line with him. And so we have to realize this, folks. That we're going to face opposition when we begin to serve the Lord. As you begin to submit yourselves to serve the Lord. Have you ever done that? And then it seems like all this stuff just hits the fan. The feathers fly and a load of tar falls on you. And you're like, what is this? This isn't even worth it. You ever said that before? <laughs> I have. <laughs> You know, Lord, I'm out here trying to serve you. There's the first wrong word. You may catch it. started with a T and then with a wine. (laughs) Then they always end with a wine. (laughs) Trying to serve him. Instead of just listening for his voice and doing what he asks. See, we all want to find this thing that God wants us to do. When the thing is what he is in us. And as we journey this road, and we're seeking him, that comes out with people in the journey. And that's the thing, that's the ministry. The ministry is hand-to-hand, arm-to-neck, mouth-to-mouth, tear-to-tear, knee-to-knee, as we rejoice with others, as we weep with others, as we share and are vulnerable with other people, God will use you. And there are people who have been spoken to from God through you today. Now, has God ever spoken to you through somebody and you never told them that that happened, but it was God? Anybody? Two of you, okay, to the two of you. The three, dump it in there. We may never know is the point. We may never know what God was doing. We may never know that God used us. But if you're on the path and on the journey, God uses you. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of this whole thing. And so here they were, two years later, not late, right on time. I don't know why, since our life is so short that God takes so long, we feel an urgency sometimes, don't we? We want to get things done. For, where's my sprinters in the marathon? Who's in there with me? That's me. God, you want me to do that? I'm out of like a bullet, right? No time. so We can't waste no time on this. God already said it. And then, I, you know, it's so funny because I will do that, some, and I have to catch myself. And I just picture myself, think about this. This will help you. This helped me for those, those sprinters out there. When God speaks to you, tells you what it is, if you sprint and take off with it, think about God still standing there at the start line where you're running away from him. Who are we relying on when we do that? <laughs> Lean not to your own understanding. Don't, <laughs> don't trust in your own strength. Say, God, may I begin running now? Will you run with me? Will you run ahead of me? Will you run above me and below me? Now that you told me what you want, do I begin here? Am I good to go? And he'll say, Go. He will tell you, go. If he's speaking to you about what, he'll speak to you about when and what and how and the timing and and he may not give you all the answers. He may tell you "I want you to build a skyscraper. And you're like, I don't even have any funding. <laughs> but he does. Because here's the thing. The earth and the fullness thereof belong to the Lord, right? All the money that is available on this planet belongs to him. And he even said the wealth of the righteous is in the hands of the wicked. So he will deliver whatever he wants you to do. He'll provide the resources he did here. He'll provide the workmen and it'll happen. It'll happen. But we have to guard against opposition. We have to guard against it. I I cannot tell you how many times I've seen this. When a church wakes up and gets moving with God, how he tries to create conflict and problems and um, trouble. Stephen and I have to be careful that we don't get into that with each other. We talk about it regularly. One misunderstood comment could create a problem. And he'll try in our families. Terry and Meredith need to be aware that the enemy were a target for him. But we say no. We say no, right, Stephen? That's right. We say no to the enemy. See, Stephen walks in faith. <laughs> I was telling them that the enemy will show up, and we have to be careful that he doesn't try to divide us. And don't let God divide you guys. I mean, I know that some of you get cranky sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes the soul speaks without the mouth. (laughs) Some of you get hangry. You ever wake up and want to stay in bed on Sunday morning? How many of y'all felt that this morning? My hand is not up for example purposes. (laughs) I looked outside, it was cloudy. I was still a little tired. And I was like, Lord. (laughs) But I got up anyway. Because you know what? Every time I feel that way, every time I don't want to get up and go, or every time I'm given something and I just go anyway, God gives me something so much cooler that day. And that's an indication. So use that as an indication that God has something really cool for you that day. And run, even if you're cold. (laughs) Take a hot shower. (laughs) But that's how it works. And so if we're gonna deal with expectations in ministry, because we have them. When we start a ministry, when we start building, when we start rolling, we have expectations. We kind of picture how it's gonna turn out, how it's gonna work out, where I think I should be. You know, I was going to school, and I just wanted to be used. And the church I was serving at when I first started, Asked me to lead a bus ministry. I'm like, but, do y'all remember bus ministry? <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> and I'm like, bus ministry, <laughs> bus ministry. And I hated the school bus as a kid. <laughs> and here I was, and I ended up leading the bus ministry that we saw a bunch of kids get saved. And we had a great time with and I remember I'll share one story with you. There's a little boy, and I would love to be able to find him today. His name was Jerry Shannon. Jerry Shannon was in kindergarten. And you know, church buses aren't the new slick top of the line mm-hmm. stuff. Church buses have hangers in them for a reason. Because they're held together with them. <laughs> and we had to combine our routes one morning. Onto one bus and we stopped to pick up a kid and turn the bus off and went to turn the bus on and the bus didn't turn on and I'm sitting there and I'm going Lord <laughs> this bus is filled with kids I've got to get them to church you know you got to make this thing work and I kept turning it and I kept turning it and I had bus workers on there adults on there with me and nothing. And as I was sitting there and I was praying, the Lord said, ask Jerry to pray. And I'm like, okay. And I turned around and I said, Jerry, would you pray that God will start the bus? And my, all my workers looked at me like this kid is going to be destroyed. <laughs> and uh, so Jerry prays. And I'm like, Lord, I hope you heard that. <laughs> and I went to turn the key and nothing happened. And I'm watching little Jerry in the mirror. Because Jerry at that time, we had, you know, bus seats. Jerry was standing, so he was like this. This is all I could see of Jerry. And I'm like, Lord, you gotta deliver, <laughs> I did what you had. And I turn it again and nothing. And Jerry's head starts to do this. I'm like, Lord, you have gotta deliver for this boy. And I turned it and the bus fired up. And Jerry went. <laughs> And there was a moment where he understood that God answers prayer. And so opposition is not always meant to be a problem. Sometimes it's meant to be an opportunity. And so let's take those opportunities when the enemy tries to come and oppose us. Let's take that as a sign that we're headed in the right direction. Let's take it as a a marching orders to get into this community and tell them about Jesus Christ. And let them know that God loves them. And so if we're going to deal with expectations in ministry, there's a few things that we must do. One, we must walk in confidence in what God is doing now. See, our goal is to live in the center of what God is up to. Our goal is to live in the center of what God is up to, not what we think he ought to be doing. Well, you know, God, you ought to be doing this. Listen, if I ever have that thought, that means that I think I know more than God and have a better bead on things. Have you ever said that to God? You know, God, you really ought to, have you ever said that to him? Oh my gosh, can you imagine the arrogance that that is if you think about it? Who are we to tell God what he ought to do? Like we're informing him of something he doesn't know. Listen, God knows it all. He knows how the molecules in our body work. He knows about things that we're just discovering. He knows about things that haven't been discovered and aren't going to be discovered for a long time. He made it all. And so we have to join him. Choosing the best thing is choosing to join God now. See what he's doing in this moment now. Thank God for the past. Thank God for the things that he's put in our life in the past. The good and the bad. And choose this moment. To live with him. Two. Focus on the task and not the response. It's so often we want to see a certain result. Well, we got to have this and we got to have this. We focus on what God has asked us to do, not the impact that it makes. That's His job. That's His job. We don't determine that. If I share Christ with somebody, it's not my job to convince them to say yes. Now I can talk with them and share conversation with them and maybe answer objections that they have, but it's not to push them into a decision. Because if somebody prays, just because somebody prays doesn't mean they're saved either. It's a heart response to God. And if there ain't no heart response in it, you ain't saved. You can go into baptistry, a sinner, and be and come out a sinner, just be wet. There's a lot of people trusting a prayer. That they're going to heaven. Instead of trusting Jesus Christ. That they're going to heaven. We put our faith in the wrong things. Our faith is in Jesus Christ. And him alone. Without backup. And without concern. About anything other than him. And following him. And so when he gives us charge. When. God calls us to a work. He calls us to do our part, and the results belong to Him. He saves, He transforms, He rescues, He builds, He forgives, He restores. He's the one that does that. But our ministry is reconciliation. Our ministry is to go and share the hope of the gospel and to demonstrate the love of the gospel by our love for one another. That's how the world knows that there's evidence that Jesus sent us. Not because we've got the slickest program, because we've got the biggest auditorium, because we have the best technology. You You know what provides all that money? I would rather God provide what he wants. Let's not replace the awe of God with some slick put on show. Now, is there anything wrong with any of that? No. But if your eyes are on that instead of on him, that's the problem. Now, if we can use that to educate and share, but it better never replace our love for Jesus Christ. Listen, folks, don't ever get over your love for him. Don't ever get cold Or you know, and you know what? Here's the thing: we've all been there. We've all waxed kind of cold and kind of indifferent to God at times. Well, not me. Well, I would ask you: What did you learn this week in your Bible study? How's your prayer life going? Well, well, but, you know, yeah, yeah, I need to work on that. <clears throat> Listen, I'm not here about behavior. That's God's deal. God will, God draws us into his word. He draws us into prayer with him. Have you ever had somebody on your mind during the week and think, man, I just need to pray for them? Anybody ever had that thought? Okay. Now, don't raise your hands. How many of you prayed? You know what I've started trying to do? And I'm just going to encourage, hopefully this will encourage you. I, when somebody asks for a prayer request, I try to pray right then. And then instead of telling them I'm going to pray for them, I'm going to tell them I've prayed for you already. Because if you tell somebody you're going to pray for them, that's a promise. That's your word. Our word should mean something. shouldn't our, Didn't Jesus say our yes should be yes and our no be no So if I tell somebody something, I ought to do it. You know, I'd rather, this is where I get in trouble, but I'd rather start service late because people are praying for each other because they asked for that and we stopped and we prayed than just to start hitting all of our numbers and our marks. Because it doesn't matter. That's man-made. When somebody's sharing their heart with you about a prayer request, that means they trust you. Take that seriously, folks. Jesus said, My house is to be a house of music and preaching. That's not what God said, it's to be a place of prayer. And you know what prayer is? It's seeking God. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And so we focus on the task and not the response. Three, expect opposition. When we respond to the Lord, the enemy is going to attack. Remember that you do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Do not attack one another. Love and support one another. You know, there's a there's an old story of this rich guy. And he had a bunch of his friends come over and he had this new saltwater pool. You ever heard of saltwater pools? They don't need chemicals. They create their own chemicals. He had this saltwater pool. And he was telling them all about it. He lived right by the ocean and he had gates that could open up and they had a series of several great white sharks that swim in his pool. And so they were all standing there around the pool, looking at these sharks swimming around. And he said, I will give any, of, any one of you a million bucks if you jump in and swim to the other side. All of a sudden there was this splash and this guy was swimming faster than we've seen at the Olympics. He gets out the other side, he's huffing and puffing and the rich man goes over there and he's like, you know, I applaud you, sir. That was fantastic. How, you were so fast. And he's breathing heavy and he says, I've only got one question. Who pushed me? Well, we learn two things from that story. There are sharks in the water. We have an enemy. Let's not forget that in the midst of the blessing. The other thing we learn is sometimes we need a push. <laughs> sometimes we need a push and God is really good at doing that. I would rather go willingly than to have to be pushed. And so don't let opposition determine your response. Let's respond to the Lord. Let's go as he goes. Let's pay attention to him. He brought him back from 70 years of being away. Two years later, the foundation was laid. And God has been laying the foundation here and the foundation is you the foundation is you he sent craftsmen to build the building now he's sending people to build the church we're going to love each other we're going to draw close to one another we're going to irritate each other at times and if you're in a relationship with somebody you're going to irritate them We're going to forgive them. (laughs) And we're going to move together. Amen. Amen. I want us everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.